Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast in the home of the world champion, Houston Astros. Yeah, you're going to hear me say that for a little bit. Yeah, there it is. Uh, joining me for his weekly Rockets visit is Frank from HDX Job Shop. And Frank, for the first time this season, Jabari Smith showed us a real glimpse of what he can do on the defensive end. What did you see in the fourth quarter of the Mavs game? It looked like he was all over the court. There was a play where he had about, you know, people talk about the second effort. He must have had a fifth or sixth effort. I promise he closed out on every Mavs player on the court. Um, and, you know, the play ended up in them missing a shot. But I think we've talked about this before for Jabari is the intensity, um, the just the fur he can play with, getting to the boards. It seems like all of that is kind of culminating in showing up on his defense. I'm starting to think maybe the injury that he had may have done something to him and uh, maybe the illness he had may have slowed him down a bit because honestly, I never thought that he would be somebody we'd have to be question his effort or motor or anything defensively about, but that was a great showing for him against the Mavs. I mean, he, he was all over the place, guarding everybody. Are the metrics looking good? Because offensively, we know how he looks, but what are you seeing from the defensive metrics? Is there anything that's jumping out or... No, nah, he's been bad. Like, <laughs> he's been bad. There's there's really um, the eye test confirms all, all the metrics. I think, um, I'm not sure after this Mavs game, but he was like the worst plus minus in the entire NBA. Um, at the last time I checked, uh, between him, Jalen, and Kevin Porter Jr. were kind of fighting for that last spot there for the league, which, you know, to me, it's, it's a shame that um, our guys are, are that bad. Um uh, you know, and this is year number two that a Rockets rookie is going to be king of the the minus on the plus minus uh, category. But, um, you know, honestly, for him, I think it's just getting comfortable with the NBA being put in position to be successful. I mean, they had him playing the drop coverage when he wasn't on the perimeter. To me, he's always been a pretty good perimeter defender, um, even in the league. But where he suffers and where he really gets killed is when they ask him to play the five and he has to guard other fives. Uh, he really, really struggles with that because he just doesn't have the body or the strength yet. We're looking for any small growth with this team, like the Jabari game on uh, Wednesday. But Jalen Green, he gave us a little bit this past week with four consecutive games of six or more assists. That's the stuff that we need to see from him. What What are you seeing? Yeah, I'm seeing, uh, you know, definitely an, an improvement. It's a little bit. Uh, of an uptick from last season and I, I hope he can sustain I think he needs to be a five and five guy whatever his scoring metric is going to be the other two rebounds and assists have to be five and five that should be the goal he may not get there this season but um, I don't want Jalen Green to be just a scorer because to me that that would mean that he didn't reach his full potential um, we see all the flashes uh, you can see with him and Shangun now running that two-man game he has a talent for the pick and roll in getting those um, those bounce passes and getting some of those uh, those some shovel passes and things like that with Shangun in the pick and roll, obviously we know they screen well. Um, he screens Shangun screens well for him. So and he's making some uh, some of the help passes in the pick and roll where the defense comes in to try to you know either stop the roller or try to stun on him. He's able to kick it out to shooters. One of the threes, and this might be the first time I've seen this all season, was a pass a play where he ran a screen with Shangun and. The help came is we either Shangun or Jabari or or um or Garuba, and he was able to kick it to Jabari for one of the three pointers that Jabari actually made, and that was a Jalen Green pass off that read. So, you know, to me, once again, going back to the Silas thing of 
we want Eric Gordon and Knicks to be on the court with him at all. Like, I do not want to hear that. Like, it, it's just weird. Like, you say stuff like that, then three games later, you start noticing, oh, okay, so Jalen can ball handle. And you put him around guys like Tari. You put him around Garuba. You put him around K.J. Martin, a, a bunch of supplemental players that kind of just are there to make his life easier. And he can looks like he can play pretty good guard to me. So I don't know what coach is seeing on film, but uh, he was – I like what I'm seeing from him as far as some of the things he's trying as a playmaker. It's time we showed some major love to the most surprisingly good story on the Rockets team. But before I get to the mystery man, just a quick reminder to support the show by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. Don't forget to look for our live Texans postgame shows every Sunday after the game with my co-host, Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. Yeah, I know it's ugly to watch the Texans, but... The good news is you don't even have to watch them. You just listen to us and we'll update you on what, what they're doing. And if you miss the live stream, you know, it's easy. Just look for the shows on our YouTube page, live tab. And Frank, I, I can't get enough of Usman Garuba. 15 and a half minutes and four and a half points per game does not sound sexy. But to me, Garuba looks like a Victoria's Secret supermodel right now. Everything he does impacts winning my favorite play from the Mavs game, and I don't know if you noticed this one, was Garuba sprinting down the court in the final seconds of the half to free Jalen for a last-second three. I mean, that is the type of stuff that gets you excited as a fan for a team that needs to start making winning plays. And, you know, I don't know how many of those screens that you've seen, but it seems like there's a lot of his screens set up baskets, which is, you know, that's the screen assist might be boring for some people, but for us basketball junkies it's great <laughs> yeah garuba has been um between him and kenya martin jr they are just like plus minus darlings every time garuba's on the court something good is happening um you can throw tari in there obviously we have the goon squad but he has been just you know i was really low on him last season and throughout the summer i didn't like how he looked he looked like he wasn't ready for the nba he was out of shape a lot but over you know i don't know whether it was the fiba play um, winning the championship in, this, in the offseason, something changed with him because his game is just at a different level right now. And it's consistent. And it's effort. I mean, he had nine boards in the uh, in the win against the Mavs. Uh, when you see him on the court, he's banging down there with the other bigs. He's running uh, in transition. He can pass. His screening has gotten better, and he's making the right play. And went, to me, that lineup that they called the Goon Squad, that the reason they're so su successful is you have a bunch of role guys that are doing role guy things at a very high level. And it's amazing that, wow, it makes everybody look good. The problem with the Rockets, a lot of our other non-Garuba-type players are guys who think more of themselves than they are, like the Josh Christophers or the world, and to a lesser extent now, Dacian Knicks. But Garuba is great in 420 possessions on the court. Um, he is just a minus 1.4. And I... I want to emphasize to the people listening, that is a really good plus minus uh, dif differential for a Rockets player to be only a minus 1.4 in the net totality of the season on a team that's probably one of the worst um, in the NBA. Um, all the lineups he's in are good. The most frequent lineup is, he's in is the uh, the goon squad with Kevin Porter and Jalen Green in the backcourt, and that in 60 possessions is a plus 23.4. I mean, that's winning basketball. I mean, all his lineups, most of them are positives. When it's Dacia Nixon, Jalen Green, it's a plus 13. When it's um, Dacia Nixon, Eric Gordon, it's a plus 46. Uh, I mean, it just keeps going on and on. 
this kid, um, if he hits his ceiling and if he is what he was advertised at the draft as somebody that could be a one through five defender, plus you add in the passing of the sneaky passing ability that he has, um, the shot, I don't think it's real, but, uh, you know, I'm still, you know, like, uh, they were saying he was, uh, shooting like 80 something percent from the field and you look up, he only has like eight attempts on the season. Um, I'm not going to live or die as long as he can, he's not afraid to take that shot. That That's a good prospect. I mean, if he keeps growing and projecting out, that is a, a pipe. Guys like that are guys that you want on a good team because he does all the right things. Doesn't request. He doesn't take a lot of shots. He just plays the right way. So, you know, I will eat all the crow and take all the L's for, uh, calling Garuba not an NBA player because he definitely is an NBA player and he's somebody that um, I'm excited to see how he grows with this team. I think the number is he's six of seven from three. And to give you an idea of his minus 1.4 plus minus, Jabari's around minus 10 right now. So that gives you an idea of where he is compared to the worst rocket. And when I watch him play, he's always moving. He's always doing something. He's always in the right place. You can move a lot and not be in the right place, but he's out there setting a screen. He's out there trying to get a rebound, going after a loose ball, a steal, making a great pass when he gets the ball in his hands or or looking to make a great pass at all times. It's all very unselfish stuff, and it's really frustrating, Frank, to see other guys when the ball goes up, and there's a lot of guys on the Rockets that are like this. The ball goes up in the air, and – where, what are they doing? They're standing there. You know, you know, Jalen is a, is one of those players I'm talking about. And Kevin Porter, and I could go on and on. A lot of the guards with the Rockets just stand there instead of either go get the rebound or go get back on the fast break. But one of those two things you need to be doing. And, you know, it's just so nice to see Garuba, who's out there doing those things. And it's amazing that he's everywhere where he should be for a guy that's barely played in the NBA. I don't know. What what has he played in the NBA now? 35 games or something like that. It's, it's such yeah, a small sample. Yeah, he doesn't, he has, he doesn't have a lot of reps. If you know, he was um, in the G league uh, for most of last season, then a lot of DMPs for him were garbage time minutes and really didn't get to play to it till towards maybe March. Um, I know he had a good showing against I think one of the Kings games last year and um, towards just the tail end of the season, he got some burn in. even he looked, he had some flashes then, but, um, yeah, he definitely is, seems to be putting it together. I think playing in Spain, um, getting to that experience of guarding the best players in the world, um, being asked to be somebody that's responsible uh, as a defensive anchor on one of the best non-NBA teams in the world, I think did wonders for his confidence. And when you go from that level of play, playing with those players, then coming back and you're now you're playing with Dacia Nix and uh, Kevin Porter Jr., I think it might have put, put things in perspective for him. And it's really showing that he's a different player. He talks more. He's more energetic. He argues. I mean, I like stuff like that. You know, I like when guys are are kind of little jerks on the, you know, I like the fire that he brings. So um, we need more more guys like that. Those are the guys you keep around because they, they can add to winning. His per 36 rebounding numbers are actually really close to what he did last year when he played 12 to 13 um, the numbers are very similar. So this is this looks like it's very sustainable, his rebounding numbers for sure. Um, I would never count on Silas to do this, Frank, consistently late in games, but I'd love to see one of our two best rebounders in the game. My belief is that because the defense is so much tighter at the end of games, having a player who gives you second-chance points on the offensive end 
incredibly valuable, uh, incredibly valuable. And our two best rebounders, Garuba and Tari, you know, I'd like to see those two guys, one of them on the floor. What's your philosophy? And, and, and if you would want one of those two, how do you get one of those two guys on the floor? Because, you know, I know we're trying to develop Jabari. I know you like Kenyon Martin. I know you want uh, Shangun out there. So what is your feeling on that? I could, that's something you got to play by ear and by the kind of the team that you're playing. It just depends on the matchup. But to me, it's what I'm looking at with coach Silas and what I I was kind of happy for him yesterday is that he's starting to know who to trust when the game gets going. And those are those guys you just named KJ, Tari and Garuba. He let them play. And when he saw that, okay, now you'll notice when the team starts going bad, he puts the goon squad in because they're instant energy, instant defense, instant transition play, instant rebounding. And they can, if it's a 10 point deficit or it's a lead that you need nurse, that's the team that's going to do it. And um, even late in the game, he did put Garuba in, I think, to replace Shangun um, towards the, the fourth quarter in the last couple of minutes. Um, I, I want to see more Shangun, Tari, Garuba, those mix up those guys, you know, because to me, th- what they bring supplements some of the weaknesses that Shangun has. Jabari to a left does not right now. He's not doing that. He did better yesterday uh, against the Mavs with some of the weak side help, and he was getting in there, uh, mixing up in the rebounding. But I'd like to. I'm curious to see what Shangun and Garuba look like on the court together, uh, playing more minutes together. I'm curious to see what um, Shangun, Garuba, and Tari look like as a three-four-five combo with our two guards just as put uh, put some players around Shangun that could make up for some of his weaknesses. Um, but I don't know if Coach Silas is there. I'm going to give him a little bit of kudos. Um, yesterday, he did not play Garrison Matthews. He didn't play Boban. He didn't try to get cute with the lineup or do anything dumb. Um, he played the guys that needed to be played. Um, he he might have overplayed Kevin Porter a little bit too much, but he yanked them at the right time and put Dacian Nix in, who had a good stretch until the third quarter where he had two flat tires and uh, – trying to uh, burn down the clock and end up with two turnovers. But, um, you know, I think it's just it's just kind of a, a play-by-ear thing. But I like the rotation that they have if they play right. And I still think they haven't even maximized their roster yet um, with the guys uh, that they have right now. I'm going to spin it back to Silas very shortly. But before I get there, <laughs> I know you're a big fan of how Kenyon Martin is playing this year. Tell me what's different for him. And I ask this, Frank, because... When you look at the numbers, people will not see improvement. His field goal percentage and his three-point percentage are down. All of his per 36 stats are about the same. I mean, there's a slight deviation. Some are a little less, some are a little more. What are you seeing? I'm seeing a player that is just growing in confidence, similar to Garuba, um, but his he's never really lacked confidence. But his game is just what the thing that he does well, it's not going to pop up on the box scores because he is a, a, what I, you know, those glue guys, he's a role player. He is a champion at his role. And most of those guys that do those, that, that type of job that are just ultimate team players, they don't really have stats um, to show that in the traditional box score. But what I can see is that when he's on the court, we're winning games. And you could look at all the lineups that the Rockets have. When KJ is on that lineup, it's a positive. I mean, it, it's a positive. There's only one lineup that's that's uh, that's bad with him, and it's the one with Eric Gordon and Jabari at center. And that's more Jabari than KJ, uh, if anything. 
um, every other lineup, plus 13, plus 23, plus five, plus 41, plus 3.6. And this is just descending order of uh, 60 possession, 60 possession, 50. So everything, and he, you know, we talk about the group would be a minus um, 1.3. KJ is a minus 0.2. So he's a net neutral on the worst team in the NBA to me, which speaks volumes to the type of impact he has on uh, on positive basketball. I mean, whether it's the weak side rim protection, which we saw, I mean, that block he had on Christian Wood yesterday was crazy. He literally blocked it on his way down uh, from the, his apex of his jump. Transition, which is so undervalued. Um, and our team that is one of the worst transition uh, scoring teams in the league, he instantly improves that. I think last year he was um, number one on the team for sure in transition. I think it was number two behind Eric Gordon. Uh, but the pace that he plays with, He's also one of those guys that can help rebound. Um, he is a great screen and roller, and he has a really nice technique with his rolling because he gets out of the screen really fast. So the, And he is a real lob threat, so the defense has to respect it. And it adds a different vertical element to our team that a lot of guys, I don't think anybody else except Bruno Fernando um, has. He's also one of our best driving, uh, driving kickers which is an indictment on our backcourt, but that K.J. Martin is the best driving kicker on the team. But as he is, he gets feet in the paint. He's able to kick out to shooters, and his shooting is pretty steady. You know, he's been hovering around 36 37% his whole career, and that's real. That's his shot. Um, and it seems this year he's able to hit them with more consistency, even though he has stretches where he doesn't. There is nothing, and the defense is there. He can guard smalls. He can guard bigs. Not as not as good as he guards the smaller guys. Um there's nothing I can't complain about him. The talk of trading him or picking Tate over him was always silly to me because Tate is almost 30. And people always forget that KJ Martin is only 21 years old. And he is a baby just like Tari and Jalen. And he's a kid just like them. And he's doing all these winning things. So I was always kind of weird about how they were going to you know, lean towards Tate. And I hope that this kind of shows them that you know, this is a guy that you might want to keep around and see what he turns into in the future. What did you think about, um, I'm trying to remember who who said this, I think it was Porter. He said that Tate was basically the leader of this team. And that's fine. Yeah, that's... Do you feel like that's the case? And, you know, does does that say anything about Eric Gordon at all? No, no, it doesn't to me because we already knew that. I think if anybody has been a Rockets fan long enough, um, I'm, I'm going to call cap on Eric Gordon ever being this vocally in the locker room. That's not, I mean, there's nothing that tells me Eric Gordon is like giving speeches at, in practice about anything. Um, he's a quiet guy. He's going to yell at the refs when he probably forced the issue. Um, he's going to you know, do what he does on the court. He's going to go about his business. Tate is vocal. I mean, I remember Tate, the rumors came out about that. He almost tried to fight James Harden at practice. I'm not mad at some people were freaking out about that. Sometimes the leader of your team is not even the guy that plays any minutes. Le a leadership is not something that basketball like skill can get you. There are a lot of players that are great basketball players that aren't good leaders. Um, you know, for example, uh, James Harden, he wasn't the leader of the Rockets. Um, I don't think in pretty much any of the years, there was always other guys that took on that vocal voice that, you know, got the troops riled up. Um, some guys just aren't that. And so if Tate is that guy and he seems like he has the character for it, I'm not mad at that, but that doesn't mean that he should be on the court playing 30 minutes over Atari or KJ or any of the other guys, um, that are better than him. Um, as far as, um, with Eric Gordon, 
you know, you I, I don't know if you saw the news today that there was some a deal with Milwaukee and Phoenix that didn't go through. I'm praying that those talks are in the works because honestly, he is it's not because of Eric Gordon. I, you know, he's not a bad guy. He hasn't done anything bad, but his presence on the team is just causing a logjam at several positions right now. And it just for them to just move on and really get going with evaluating these young guys, they need to move on from him. And I just believe he doesn't impact winning when he's playing small forward with this group. And there are guys that aren't playing right now enough minutes uh, who we've talked about that, you know, impact winning. And it's not, you know, shooting is is not everything and scoring is not everything. And it's not like he's getting a ton of points every night. There are some nights where he, you just don't hear much from him at all. And he's always been like that. That's been his role. That's why he's a sixth man, because sometimes he has really good nights and sometimes he doesn't. And I think that's the real issue with what having him on the team right now is, you know, when you're looking for other stuff, rebounding, help defense, setting screens, all of those things that somebody like a small forward can do if they're good, he doesn't do. Yeah. And, you know, the rebounding is a big thing to me. I don't know how many times in the, since you've been pointing it out, I'm looking at it. And, uh, yeah, he's almost like a stump out there. Like he does not get off the ground at all to help him rebound. In transition, he doesn't really run the court well. Um, in comparison to some of the the other the younger guys like Tari and KJ and Garuba, and to me that just bogs down a lot of the things a young team needs to be doing well. Um, what they need to do is run and try to score in transition. And when he's out there, he really kind of just slows all that down. Um, I don't like him taking ball handling reps away from Jalen um, because t- I mean that does nothing for us. I know Silas said that's an extension of himself on the court, which was a weird statement um, to put that on Eric Gordon. Somebody said he's just saying that because he's the oldest guy on the team. Okay. Um, but like him, the type of vet that would be helpful for us are ones that don't overlap things we're trying to develop. Right. And if we're trying to develop that, I mean, they, they basically did not allow uh, John Wall to even suit up because of, uh, supposed development, but with Eric Gordon, we're letting him ball handle for a guy that you uh, project out to be a ball handler in the future. You hope he will be. And you're letting him close out games when you have two young guards in the backcourt that you're still trying to develop. You're letting him do all these things, run backup point and all this stuff like that. And I know it's not his fault. I mean, I'm going to blame the coach on that and the front office, but um, it, it's just redundant right now. And I just think they need to move on from him get him out of Houston, let him go play meaningful basketball, contribute to winning in the way that he does on a team that can value his skill set. And then, um, you know, let some of these guys start developing and bring in another vet, bring in a, a vet that's going to be complementary to Jalen and Shangoon and Tatari and Jabari, especially bring in a vet for Jabari. That's what they, they really, I, they need to prioritize him because I feel like he's been almost marginalized because there's so much going on on the Rockets, bring in somebody. I, I would, I would instead of wasting a roster spot on Boban, go bring in somebody for Jabari, a guard, a backup guard, please, for just for Jabari. I think that that'll be helpful. Amen. You know how I feel. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I listen to a lot of NBA podcasts, and I, I know you do too. And I hear a lot of NBA analysts expressing concern about Silas. I know Rockets fans think. Everybody hates this team and is against us. But what you hear again and again when you listen to them 
They like our players. They like the talent, Frank. They're very complimentary of who's on the team, but they don't trust Silas or some of them have said the people above him. And I got to note this because I rarely hear consistent criticism these days of any NBA coach outside of Silas. Nothing about Detroit or Orlando or any other struggling young teams. It seems like we're in this golden age of really good coaching in the NBA. And I'm just curious, are, are you noticing what I'm noticing? That, that Silas is basically taking all the heat of uh, more than any coach right now in the NBA. I would say probably not enough heat, honestly, because um, if you're anybody that if you're somebody that you actually watch basketball and you take the time to look at, um, you know, what it's, you know, the game is supposed to look like and you watch it for an extended period of time, what you see from the Rockets on a nightly basis is probably the most chaotic type of just unstructured basketball that you could you could imagine and it's not always like that there are times where they play well but then there'll be times where like in the third quarter yesterday where you have Kevin Porter like going just iso mission and just trying to take all the shots um, regardless of what the offense is or in some late game situations where they don't have even the ability to get off a shot and to me it's the the criticism for Silas is going to come down to one, his ability to be able to get the guys to actually focus and do what he tells them he wants to do, which to me speaks that maybe he doesn't have that coaching voice to get those guys to respect him all the way. Um, and also is to whether he's trying to force players to do things that aren't, they're not capable of doing like having a Kevin Porter be um, the lead ball handler when you could be more creative with your offense. So there's a lack of imagination. It just looks unstructured. Um, and I feel like, honestly, a lot of people, they don't, they kind of beat around the bush with it. But, you know, that's on him. That's on him. We're not the only young team. You can watch other teams. There's other players that are just showing up in the NBA. Um, they're being put in position to be successful. It seems like for the Rockets, the guys have to do some super amazing, like, feats just for us to look good. Everything seems so hard. Um, if you watch the uh, I had a chance to watch the game from the Dallas Mavericks uh, feed and they pointed that out, that everything our, uh, our guards are doing is so hard to do, even though they're like when they score and they win. These are hard plays to make. You're not going to win a lot of games isolating with Kevin Porter Jr. or Jalen Green. And the fact that Kevin uh, Kosalas. And KPJ is saying that Kosalas tells him to keep doing that, keep isolating, because that's what he's good at. Like, to me, that, like, what are you, what are we doing here? Um, it just seems like he's trying to find the flavor that is, that helps him get a, a victory um, rather than has like a bigger plan for other things. And um, it's like, he's always late to the party. It's always the adjustments are four five, six games too late. We can see it. Everybody in the world can see it. We'll complain about something. It'll go on for a while, and then finally they'll make the adjustment, and voila! Oh wow, it actually works. So it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not the one to call whether he needs to get fired or whatever, but I'm not impressed with him at all, to be honest. Yeah, one of the things that just bothers you over and over again, and and we keep citing quotes of his, is you hear him say things that just don't seem like they make sense. You know, you go to the quote, I think it was within the last week where, you know, they, they asked him about Jabari and getting him the ball. 
and they said they couldn't get him the ball because teams were switching off with him. And, you know, that's just, I, I didn't understand that. Did you get what he was talking no, about? No, yeah, I heard that quote. It made no sense. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, to me, it's like we, we are watching a different world that he is in. Um, I know he's smart and I, he's a coach. So he's an NBA coach. You know, he knows what he's talking about. I think he overthinks stuff. Like I call it, he always big brains everything. Like he makes these um, anticipatory um, counters that don't need to be made. Like I'm going to take a guy out because I'm thinking something, not based on what's actually happening on in the game, but because it's almost like when you are new at a job and there's a there's a manual and you're going by the manual. And like for me, I work in, med- in medicine. Um, I work, I, you know, I don't work with patients anymore. But when I did work with patients. Um, a lot of times there's like, you go by the book, but the people don't look like the book, you know, (laughs) right. You have the book that tells you this guy's supposed to look like this with diabetes and whatnot. And you get there and you're like, there, he doesn't have any of the signs or symptoms that I, I, and so that's rookie stuff. Like young, when you're young in your job, that's the stuff you do. He, he has no intuition. It seems like, um, really doesn't understand the flow of what he's looking at and seems to make oh, they're going to go small, so I will go small as well, regardless of whether my big players are punishing their small players. So he does a lot of stuff like that. I just think he's in over his head. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll keep growing. This might not be the the job that gets him to where he's trying to go. You know, we talked about J.B. Bickerstaff. He has to go through a, a couple of jobs before he finally got his voice. And it looks like maybe that's going to be the same for Coach Silas. Um, but I don't think he's going to be our coach long-term. Uh, I just don't see it. I feel like the NBA is more and more going to go to a motion offense. I don't think this type of basketball that the Rockets are playing or that we played with James Harden or that Silas dealt with with Luka, I, I feel like we're going in a different direction. And I think teams are going to realize like this is the way for us to go just like shooting a lot of three-pointers was the way, you know, a few years ago. And I don't feel like, you know, Silas is going to be able to adjust to something like that. So I don't know what you think, but I feel like that's where the NBA is going to go. And I and I would concentrate on that when you're hiring the next coach with the Rockets. And I'm sure the Rockets are like, we're not hiring the next coach, but we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> yep. And the motion is all the, you know, the good teams, they, they, they have that. I mean, the Celtics, to a, to a, to an extent, try to run um, uh, more of a dribble penetration type of offense, and they ran out of gas in the finals. It's really hard to win, and I can't think of any team that has won like that. Even the if you think about LeBron's, they ran Ty Lue's offense. Is there's a lot of motion in Ty Lue's offense. He's one of the probably X and O's guys, one of the best coaches in the NBA. Um, that's what he's known for. I mean, when we played the Clippers. They were running uh, a lot of Spain pick and rolls and Spain, uh, you know, the back screening and things like that. Even they got called fouls for that. Um, That's a lot of uh, old school kind of Mike D'Antoni stuff that he used to work with in in Phoenix. So a lot of these coaches are very, very smart in what they're trying to do. Look at what Chauncey's doing in in, uh, Portland. I don't know if you watch their offense. It's beautiful. I mean, they cut, they set screens, they're moving. There's always constant movement with them. Um, that's where the NBA is going. Even these younger coaches are coming in, bringing that dimension to the game because what it does is it maximizes your spacing and it puts pressure on the defense at every part of the court. 
when we're running our isolation or just pick and rolls, we've seen this with James Harden. The defense can get set. They can load up. And especially in the playoffs, you play a really good defense. They know where all the outlets are. So they're going to wait there and just force you to do what the, you want them to do rather than when the offense is based on constant movement and uh, plays on human error, which tends to happen. So, yeah, I don't like this style. The five-out thing, it's it's not going to win a championship. Luka is not going to win being the one-man show, scoring 50 points and 10 rebounds. Um, you know, to me, it's, 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 it's kind of phasing out now. Like, the, the cat is out the bag. Daryl Morey and the analytics people, you know, they try to do something and it almost worked, but, you know, it just never made it all the way there because it's such an exhausting style of offense. You just look at who's won championships and we've seen what Golden State's been able to do. Um, it helps to have like a Draymond to operate that type of offense. But, you know, the Rockets have guys that can make the passes. And I, I know Garubo wants to be Draymond and he's studying him and we know about Shane Goon. So, uh, yeah, you look at Golden State and, of course, you know, Pop Spurs and, you know, there's two Miami, perfect examples. Yeah. Uh, Miami's a, another a heavy motion team. Milwaukee, their team is a little bit different, but they run um, a lot of uh, different types of screens and stuff like that. And obviously, if you have a Giannis, then you can do a lot of different things. I mean, um, it's, it's it's the the offense has to be more complex than just uh, five out driving kick. And that's not going to get it in, against a good defense because they know how to play the passing lanes. They know where the help is going to come. They can f- kind of funnel you into those things. So, yeah, um, it's it's good for uh, it's easy and it's a it's a it's a redu- redu- reduced form of offense that you can just have young guys playing. But to me, they're not learning anything that's going to help them when it's time to win. And that's one of my concerns about what we're doing right now with this team is that. Some of these things that we're learning, to me, they're going to be irrelevant when the actual coach gets here because I feel like they're going to have to start from scratch and build a lot of these concepts for these kids uh, all over again. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of concerning the longer this thing goes along. Remind everybody about uh, HTX Chop Shop and what's going on over there. Yeah, just the HTX Chop Shop is uh, Rockets um, content. Uh, uh, YouTube channel. We do a lot of, you know, different things. We have live streams after the games uh, with uh, my main man, Space Ghost. We do podcasts. Um, we have our website with, uh, we have, you know, writers that write different things. Um, yeah. So if you guys want to just get a fix on different types of uh, Rockets content, uh, just hit up the YouTube channel. That's uh, Rockets Chop Shop. And uh, look us up and uh, try to see if you can uh, add us to your subscription list and get some great content from us. Hope we can do this again next week. I know it's Thanksgiving, but the Rockets are uh, taking a few days off, it looks like, between Sunday. And I think they don't even play till after Thanksgiving. So, you know, hopefully we can do something in in there somewhere. But if not, we'll definitely catch you after Thanksgiving. But it's always great to have you on the show. And uh, thanks for doing it. No, no problem. Thank you for having me out. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.